So verse 13, back in our text, notice. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now one thing you have to understand is that um, Annas was the high priest, but so was Caiaphas. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name, you are amazing God. Welcome everyone to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus was brought before Annas first, who was not the official high priest, but he was the one who put Caiaphas in office. Annas was the power behind the throne in Jerusalem. He himself had been high priest from A.D. 6 to A.D. 15. Four of his sons had also held the high priesthood, and Caiaphas was his son-in-law. It was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. This unknowing prophecy of Caiaphas is recorded in John chapter 11, verse 49 through 53. Without knowing, Caiaphas spoke the truth that it was good for Jesus to die for the people. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's message. All right, good morning. Hey, let's take a look at... uh John's Gospel, we're in chapter 18. Hopefully we'll finish the chapter today, that's my hope. But last week, if you remember, Jesus, uh, it recorded for us in the first 11 verses that Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, he had spent time with his disciples in the upper room on that Passover evening as they enjoyed the Passover meal, and they also took the Lord's Supper, which was a separate thing from the Passover meal where Jesus basically offered the bread and the cup and he used them as symbols for what he was going to do and what he, in his mind, he had already done. And that is that his body would be broken for, uh, for us and that his blood through the wine would be, would be the blood of the new covenant because of the blood that he shed on the cross for us. And these things were symbols and they took them into themselves And Jesus says, do this often as you will in remembrance of me. To do that in remembrance of me. And you remember after that night, uh, and, and, and after Judas had left, to continue in his betrayal, Judas, continuing in his betrayal, because he had already betrayed Jesus by this point. It had already been settled. But now... The eleven plus Jesus are in the upper room, minus Judas, and then the Lord uh, prays, and we looked at that in in chapter 17, and then finally he goes over the Brook Kidron and over on the east side of Jerusalem from the Temple Mount there to a garden on the Mount of Olives called the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's really an oil press. And today there's oil, or there's olive trees there. In fact, when when we visited there just this uh, last March, actually, there, were, there are olive trees there that are over 2,000 years old. 
I mean, the, the root systems are, are still, the, those, those olive trees, their root systems go back to the time of when Jesus was there. And so here I am standing at this tree that's the root system, uh, a tree that had been growing there and, you know, falling and then coming up again since the time of Jesus. And it was kind of interesting to sit there and think, you know, this, I'm standing on the place where the Lord could have been with his disciples in this area, you know, and it's really exciting. And so Jesus, while he is in there in the garden with his disciples, remember a detachment of troops and the officers, they came to arrest Jesus. And you remember that Jesus says, who are you looking for? Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And, and the word he is in italics, which means in your Bibles, it'll say he, but it'll be in italics, which means it wasn't there in the original language. The translators put it there for us to help us understand who was he talking about. But he's talking about himself. But what Jesus literally said was, I am and that has a big significance because you go back to Exodus 3 and in the fiery, you know, in the burning bush, remember Moses spoke to Christ in a pre-incarnate form, speaking through that burning bush, and he revealed himself as I am that I am. And so the Jews knew very well when Jesus says, I am. And remember, when he revealed himself in that way, that the troops, the soldiers that had come to arrest him, actually there was somewhere between 200 to 600 men that night that came to arrest him. Can you imagine that? There's 11 of them, or 12 including Jesus. And they bring two or between, somewhere between 200 to 600 men to come and arrest them. And they weren't armed. It wasn't like they had, you know, M16s or anything. They didn't have any grenades, you know, no landmines. They had nothing. <laughs> Jesus was just sitting there, standing there in his sandals as they came to him. And they came and they arrested him, remember. And so, and remember, it was at that time that Peter, trying to prove himself, decided that he's going to pull out his sword. And Aiden was so nice yesterday or last week to... Uh, be the visual aid. I, I, I didn't cut off his head, but remember, I, I just missed his ear as he glanced. And, uh, and so that's what Peter did. He meant to take Malchus's head off. But at the last minute, Malchus saw it coming and glanced, and it just sheared his ear off, his right ear. And Jesus, remember, picking it up, healed Malchus. And what a wonderful Savior we have. <laughs> I mean, to do all that. I mean, if it was my enemies coming to me, that's the last thing I would do. And see, that's the difference between the world and Jesus Christ. And the, the difference between the world and the way we Christians ought to be. Because the world is mean. Anybody find that out? Anybody figure that out? That the world is a nasty place? It's not a good place. It's hostile. And it's very opposed to Jesus. It's very opposed to the word of God that we hold in our hands. We, folks, are on enemy ground. But we're just passing through. Right? Yes, hallelujah. We're passing through. So don't get your roots too solid in this earth because we're going to be leaving this place for a time and then we're going to come back with the Lord for the millennial reign of Christ. And then after that, a new heavens and a new earth, new Jerusalem. And so we got an exciting and a wonderful future ahead of us. Now this morning we're going to look at verses 12 through the end of the chapter, and there's quite a bit to talk about, so let's just get right into it. Let's go to verse 12 because 
Notice it says, Then the detachment of troops and the captain of, and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and they bound them. And remember, this detachment of troops was around between 200 to 600 men. And these were um, men who were subordinate. You know, these were what they call literally the word officers means an under rower or an under, um, an under rower, under, say that fast three times, under rower <laughs> or a subordinate. That's who they were. And what we're going to see now from uh, this 12th verse down through chapter 19, verse 16, we're going to see Jesus going through three, uh, actually six different trials. Six different trials. And only three of those trials are recorded for us in John. The trial with Annas, which we're going to see in just a few moments, and then two different, two separate trials with Pontius Pilate. And the other Gospels, Uh, If you put them together, they also include the other trials as well uh, that Jesus endured. But we're going to look at the fact that Jesus endured six trials, and three of them were religious trials. And we're going to see the one before Annas, uh, who was the high priest at that time. We're going to see that first here in John here shortly. And, And these were called religious trials because these were before the Jewish magistrates and before the Sanhedrin. And so Jesus would endure these three trials. And we're going to look at the end uh, of, our, of the message today. We're going to look at how all of this was so false and it was so illegal. Everything that they did in these trials, these six trials of Jesus, was illegal. There was so much illegal activity. It's astounding. It's astounding. And so, and certainly Jesus went before Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin, and you can see the, in the third bullet there that Jesus' trial before the, the Sanhedrin again. And he also endured civil trials, and we're going to look at only um, the one between the, his first visit with Pontius Pilate, which is number four on your screen there, and number six. But we'll read the, the fifth one there, where, where Jesus went before Herod Antipas. Because remember, as Jesus is going between these, between Pilate and Herod, he was like a hot potato, if you will. And uh, so when Pilate couldn't figure out even what the charges were, why is this guy here? Well, maybe Herod, he's in town, maybe he can help. And so he sends him to Herod, and that, which was illegal to do, but we'll look at that. And then Herod finds nothing wrong with him, sends him back to Pilate again. And so Jesus is like a ping pong ball being put around to all these different rulers and there is nothing to accuse him with. So verse 13, back in our text, notice. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now one thing you have to understand is that um, Annas was the high priest, but so was Caiaphas. And we'll look at that in just a second. And I love the fact that this name, Annas, his name actually means the grace of Jehovah. But let me ask you, was he really being gracious to Jehovah? (laughs) No, he wasn't. We'll see that as we go along, that his name, uh, grace of Jehovah, was exactly opposite of the character of this, the heart of this man. But Jesus' trial before Annas is not mentioned in any other gospel except John's gospel. And remember, in the Mosaic law, this idea of a high priest, that office, was something that was a lifetime. And those things uh, would last an entire lifetime until the death of the high priest. But one thing that happened uh, during this time is around 15, um, excuse me, 
Annas was the high priest for a while, and then around 15 AD, a man by the name of Valerius Gratus, who was a Roman prefect who came into power at, at, at the year 15, he deposed Annas, took Annas out of his office as high priest, and put his son-in-law in his place. And his son-in-law was Caiaphas, because Caiaphas had married Annas's daughter. Can you see how this is going to create trouble within the family? Possibly. You know, Annas gets deposed, but now the Roman government, Valerius Gratus, he puts Caiaphas in this place as high priest. And the Jews really saw Annas as the high priest, but now they've got two high priests. So as you go throughout the scripture, you're going to see them both referred to as the high priest. But it was because the Roman authorities didn't want any concentration of power in any one man, they would frequently change the high priest out like that, just to keep people from getting too centered and too focused on one man. And so that's what happened at that time. And so verse 14, Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 11, just a few chapters prior. And let's take a look at John chapter 11. In verse 45, this is what the high priest said. This is what Caiaphas said. And very interesting. Because Caiaphas wasn't a wasn't friendly to Jesus. He was really an enemy to Christ. But notice what it says in verse 45. It says, Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did uh, believed in him, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. And then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, um, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. And if we... Let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and not that the whole nation should perish. Now Caiaphas said this inadvertently. He didn't really understand what he was saying, but what he meant was that, so we don't get any trouble with the Romans, we're going to kill Jesus. But while he said that, and the way he said it, God was actually working through this man because in actuality, Jesus would die for the sin of not only the nation of Israel, but for the sin of the whole world. And so you see how Annas, or excuse me, Caiaphas was thinking one thing, and the Holy Spirit was thinking a complete different thing. One was just selfish and local, and the other one was far-reaching and very broad in scope because, again, they were afraid of, of, of Jesus, and they wanted to get rid of him. And so we're going to look at now Peter denying Jesus, but before we do that, I want to share with you just the difference between betrayal and denial. Certainly betrayal and denial are both sin issues, but let me suggest to you that one is even more severe than the other because we know that Judas, he betrayed Jesus. He betrayed Jesus, but Peter denied him. 
And it says in John 18, verse 2, that Judas betrayed him, who also knew the place, and Jesus often went there with his disciples. This word betray, and we looked at this last week, literally means to deliver up or to give into the hands of another with the intent of judging them and condemning them, punishing them, scourging them, and ultimately putting them to death. That is what the word betrayal is. It was a very determined, it was a premeditative act by Judas, wasn't it? It was very premeditated. And so Judas betrayed Jesus, but Peter denied him. And you may wonder, well, isn't that just as bad? Well, I suppose, but not as much. Because when you think about what happened to Peter, he, had a, he was very self-confident in what he was able to do. He thought that he would never desert Jesus. He felt like he, that, that there's not, everybody else could leave, but Lord, I'm going to stay with you. And then in a moment, in a moment, and it was spontaneous, it happened just like that, as Peter is being questioned by a young girl, two girls actually, that he caved. They said, you know this man. You, your speech betrays you. You're one of the Galileans. You know Jesus, don't you? You're not one of them, are you? And he says, nope, I'm not. Can you see how one is premeditated? His denial, though, although it can be forgiven, even the betrayal could have been forgiven if Judas really was seeking that. But it was a spontaneous thing. And haven't you been in that place before where you've denied Jesus too? Maybe a, a fellow employee or someone at the grocery store approaches you and you feel the Lord nudging you to share with somebody and all of a sudden you just don't have the courage. And maybe they even ask you, hey, um, what do, what do, you know, where, where do you go to church? And all of a sudden you just kind of clam up. And, and that way we deny Jesus every day. We deny him every day. We're no different than Peter. But Judas' betrayal was premeditated, it was satanic, and this denial of Peter was just a lapse in uh, strength at the moment. Lapse in strength. So notice verse 15 in our text says, So Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Underline another disciple. <laughs> now that disciple, meaning the other disciple, was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. Now we know that another disciple, this refers to John. In his gospel, he doesn't refer to himself in the first person, but he refers to himself as a couple of different things. The other disciple. He refers to himself as that disciple or the disciple that Jesus loved. I like that. Are you a disciple that Jesus loved or loves? You are. You're a disciple whom Jesus loves. And I love the fact that he wasn't shy about that. He was very upfront about, hey, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. It doesn't mean that he didn't love the others. But notice, who was the one resting his head on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper? You know, were all the guys gathering around him, you know, and leaning on him? Lord, is it me? No, it was only John. Of course, John was positioned positioned right next to him on his right side because Jesus was, was here and, and John was here and Judas was the guest of honor on the left side of Jesus. So he could do that. But notice that this, this disciple, John, was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. And so Annas knew, the high priest knew the apostle John and evidently was on terms with him so much that they were able 
John was able to get into the courtyard for these proceedings. And isn't it true it's not what you know, but it's who you know? In everything in life. And I used to uh, fight against that, but it's true, isn't it? It's not what you know, it's who you know. John knew the high priest. He was able to get in the door into the courtyard and see what was going on with Jesus. And in life, it's like that, isn't it? It's not what you know, it's who you know. And even spiritually, you know, you can know Muhammad, you can know Buddha, you can know Donald Trump, you can know Elon Musk, you can know a number of people, but none of them are going to get you to heaven. But if you know them on this earth, that may help you. And if they know you, you may have benefits of that because it's who you know. But let me suggest to you that the we know the Son of God. We know Jesus Christ, the creator of all things. And knowing him, we are going to spend an eternity with him, the one who made everything. I know, I'd rather, I'm glad that I have that relationship with him, aren't you? More, more than anything else, more than any other big wig. I mean, some people say, well, you know, I know this congressman and I have this, you know, kind of in with them and I get, you know, news from them and they send me direct me- you know, text messages and it's like, okay, that's nice. But I get to sit before the king of kings, the one who created this man. So I think I'm going to go with Jesus. That's it. I'm going to stay with Jesus, right? <laughs> I'm going to stay with him. But we're going to see... Um, Jesus predicted Peter's denial. And we'll just look at a couple of these. Um, it's labeled the first, the first time and the second time. Twice Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him. The first time we see in Luke chapter 22, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, and again, this is in that upper room during that Passover meal. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Ooh. I would hate to hear that. Not one of the demons, but the big guy himself. (laughs) Satan has desired to sift you, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you have denied me three times that you even knew me. Peter didn't know himself. I don't know myself. Do you know yourself? Maybe you know yourself better than I do. But I'm finding as I get older in the Lord and as I walk with him that I'm I'm finding that I really don't know who I really am. I really don't know who I really am until situations and uh, things happen in my life and then I see how I respond and I find out who I really am. Am I a coward or am I really walking in faith and trusting in Jesus? And the Lord has a way of making that known. And he often does it to me privately, and I'm really thankful for that, because then I can go back and get my face on the ground and pray for forgiveness and for strength, right? But notice in John 13, again, in that upper room, it says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus says, will you lay down your life for my sake? Hmm. Most assuredly, I say to you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And how did Jesus know that Peter would deny him? Because in his deity, Jesus is omniscient. 
He knows all things. Omni, science, omniscient. It means I know all things. He knows all things. He's also omnipresent. He is all places at once by his spirit. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.